every time he commands to praise in Scripture, you might say, thank you, I needed that. Yeah, right. (laughs) Because we do in so many different ways. There's even research that shows that a group of people that sing together, that our brains kind of wire and fire together and connect in such a way that it can even have a significant beneficial impact on trauma. There is something about doing this that on a level we're not even aware of is healing and restoring us. Welcome to Faith Refresh, where we take another look at the Bible passages, beliefs, and other church stuff you've probably heard a million times and find something fresh. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Faith Refresh. My name is Anson, along with Chaplain Justin. Howdy. It has been a little while since we've recorded an episode of Faith Refresh. Uh There's, of course, the Christmas break, New Year's. I got very sick at one point in there for a week or two. Then we had our seemingly kind of annual snowpocalypse. (laughs) Yeah, we can't deal (laughs) with. In our area, right, where like everything just shuts down for a week. (laughs) Yeah. So Uh, between all of those things like stacked back to back to back, This episode is a little late in coming, Mm -hmm. but it is finally here, and we're thankful to have you joining us. We're talking about worship this week, and specifically singing Mm -hmm. in church. If you're new to Faith Refresh, what this show is all about is taking a second look at some common beliefs, practices, things within or related to Christianity that maybe if you grew up in the Christian faith or in Christian subculture, it's kind of like the water you swam in. It's just something that was always around. But maybe if you've had some second thoughts about your faith or your belief system, or you've moved away from the church, or maybe you're new to the church, you might look at with a very different perspective. You might go, wait a second, why in the world do they do this or believe this? or think this, or what is that story in the Bible all about? That doesn't make any sense at all. (laughs) And I think it's just funny that as we get very close to something or comfortable with something, Mm -hmm. sometimes we very easily or quickly lose what an outsider perspective might be on that thing. Singing in church might be a really good example of this. Because like I said, if you grew up in the church, you've always done this. Every Sunday you go to church and you sing worship songs But if you're new to the church or if you started to, like I said, think twice about this, you're going, wait a second. Why, why do we do that? It's fair. Where where did that come from? Like have, have churches always done Uh this? Do all denominations do this? Mm -hmm. Is there biblical support for singing in church Mm -hmm. and worship? And even if there is, why? Why does the Bible ask us to do this if it indeed does so? Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to this conversation, both for those reasons, but also because I actually originally, when I first went to college, was interested in worship ministry. Oh, yeah. Originally was a worship major. And I know you have a strong mm-hmm. uh, interest and in background in this field, right? Yep. Similar. Yeah. Part of my first step into volunteering slash eventually vocational ministry was worship leadership and stuff like yeah. that. So, Well, I did want to ask about that, just yeah. if you're comfortable with sharing. What was it that drew you to worship ministry hmm. in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, I was grateful to grow up in the church, and also our tradition was to worship together as a family. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really have the student ministry experience or things like that, but I really appreciated just singing along with my parents. My mom in particular was involved in that kind of ministry, singing and stuff like that. And so... And then part of it was just a need. So I was given a guitar that I didn't know how to play. And I was like, great, you know? <laughs> right. 
But then in a ministry I was a part of and really cared about, and this was in high school, there was a transition in leadership and like the new person that came in couldn't play the guitar and sing. So that was just missing. And it felt like it was missing. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And so I felt like, well, I'm going to learn a few songs and like step into this. So it was kind of a need, but then I really appreciated this is really valuable to do together. Back then I had no idea why I still maybe don't have (laughs) all the answers for why, but yeah, that was me. One of the uh, impetuses for me, similar thing, like I played the piano growing up, but Mm. then got a guitar and was teaching myself to play the guitar. Contemporary worship songs, there are a lot of them that you can play with uh, about three chords, right. sometimes even two. Yes, uh, that's what I did. So start starting, out, yeah. starting with some uh, very simple worship songs was a great way to learn a new <laughs> instrument. This kind of makes me think of the fact that you and I were both drawn to mm-hmm. music and, and worship in some way is that perhaps long before you even thought about, this is certainly the case for me, long before I even thought about these big existential questions around Mm, like mm -hmm. why, I knew that music spoke to me in some way. It drew me, right? Mm -hmm. And not just music in the church, but any kind of music, Mm -hmm. that I was attracted to music from a very young age. I noticed this with my kids when I first had kids. Mm, We had this um, little play school plastic table thing. Mm -hmm. And my kids, before they could even walk, they would come up to this little plastic table and they would pull themselves up on it. And there's all these little buttons and gizmos and gadgets on this table. And one of them was like a little representation of a banjo. Mm-hmm. And if you would pull on the neck of the banjo, kind of like a, a slot machine lever or something, <laughs> you would pull on it and it would play this jaunty little bluegrass sounding <laughs> banjo tune. Yes. And all three of my kids, obviously completely unbeknownst to each other, at this age of about one and a half, they would pull on this and their little booty yes. would start going up and start down. Start dancing and, and bopping around. Da- There's something about that little yep. banjo tune yep. <laughs> that just like got their little yeah. one-year-old bodies going. Mm-hmm. And I just find that so fascinating that this... I I don't know. I guess I hesitate to call it universal because maybe there are some people out there who just mm-hmm. don't really like music and yeah. don't appreciate it. But it certainly seems close to that. Yes, at least that there's, even if you're not musical yourself, there's probably some song you've heard at some point or another that has impacted you mm-hmm. on some emotional level. Right, right. That's just fascinating to me that yep. like there's that kind of shared experience around music with human beings. Yeah, universal on some level, and then also kind of ingrained. Like mm. we're wired that way it's built in yeah something to pay attention to at least like get curious about again like what is this music thing about what is this singing why do little kids do this and older people do this and people from all over the world and different cultures different times and places why are we singing what is going on yeah. you know i don't necessarily expect you to be an expert in the entire like history of music i appreciate that <laughs> thank <But> you <laughs> From at least a a biblical perspective, Uh where can we kind of trace this practice back to? You know, C.S. Lewis, what book was it, The Magician's Nephew, where he had this idea of Aslan, who's the Christ character, creating everything, but what he's doing is he's singing it into existence, Mm -hmm. which... I remember reading that for the first time and I was like, whoa, (laughs) like that is beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. There is something to that because the first chapter, especially the first several verses of the creation story is narrative poetry. And so in a way it's being sung, but even if you don't take that like, oh, that's a little, you know, touchy feely or whatever. Yeah. It's not long until you get the first song that you'll see kind of like bracketed out or like has different tabs or margins in your Bible. Whenever you see that, it's got the structure of a poem and more often than not was meant to be sung. Mm. 
And of course, we know like the Psalms, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, where you have the very center of the book. Some have called it like the hymn book of the Bible. Yeah. And so I, I think that from beginning to end, even in Revelation, it is actually shot through the whole Bible. And that's really important, I think, for us to take into account truth in the Bible is not merely propositional bullet points mm. or sentences and paragraphs. It's poetry. It's mm. art. It's music. It's not only meant to be spoken or preached or whatever, but sung. Yeah, maybe we need to get to the nitty-gritty of why still, mm-hmm. but I think that in and of itself, I like it that way. <laughs> That's know? a really interesting point because like, one of the things that I have thought about before is we have all of these laws and rules and very specific instructions right, yep. in the Old Testament that outlines a lot of the ways certain things are to be done right down to like the construction of the tabernacle and the way that it's laid out mm-hmm. and the garments different people are supposed to wear and the sacrificial practices and right, all of yeah. these things. One thing that I've noticed that seemed to be missing was any mention of singing worship mm-hmm. related stuff. And when we think about contemporary Christian practice, the two cornerstones of most modern worship services are praise and worship, yep. specifically through song, and then a, a sermon of mm-hmm. some kind mm-hmm. from a pastor or preacher or priest, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of seems like this part is missing here. Was this, you know, did they not do this? Was there no singing at this time? But you actually see before that, as the children of Israel come out of Egypt, they have like this big song and dance yes. party, basically. Yeah, that Moses wrote. Right. Exactly. From, with Moses and Miriam. Yeah, and, yeah. and so it's maybe not explicitly like commanded. There aren't specific rules given around to it, yeah. the people of Israel around it, but it does seem to be very much part of their practice. Mm-hmm. That's just an interesting point that you make about song and poetry and art being present in scripture, Mm -hmm. even if not commanded in scripture, Mm -hmm. although there may be some of that at various points too. But like we have this whole book of hymns in the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And so instead of having a book, I guess, that tells us thou shalt sing this song on this day and this many songs per worship service, we just get a whole book of them. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, here, use this. Yeah. As much as you want. Like we could sing, you know, we could sing on our own, you know, together in different ways. And you're right. There are times where say singing or praise or whatever is commanded, but the specific structures around it really aren't. It's more assumed throughout the whole Bible. Right. That singing, it's just like, well, that's what we, it's yeah, the natural music is human just a thing. Part, yeah, it's just part of it. And then maybe some notes about this specific psalm was meant to be connected with this tune. I always wonder, like, what was that? We don't always know that connection, or we don't know the tune to put to it. But there was some specific direction here or there, but really the main thing is just it's assumed that we're singing, even throughout the story itself from Genesis to Revelation, Mm -hmm. to read scripture and to take it at face value is often to pause with poetry, with songs, Mm -hmm. with, you know, (laughs) yeah. and sometimes you're in a whole book where that's all there is, you know, so I think it's a beautiful thing. I think all of that then begs the question, why does there seem to be this expectation? Mm -hmm. And I suppose there are two different sub-questions there. One, to me, would be very specifically about the God of Christianity and what Mm, he expects from us. Does he expect us to worship him through song and why? And then the second part of that to me would be, much more general. Why is there just kind of this expectation that music is going to be involved in like the human experience? Therefore, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't it be involved in the Christian Mm -hmm. experience? 
Let's maybe start with the second of those Mm -hmm. first, just from a more kind of general point of view. Mm -hmm. What's the deal with music? Like, why why is music such a universal Mm -hmm. thing? Why do you think it's so important to us? Mm -hmm. You know, in theology, there's a term that we've been created as psychosomatic beings. Okay. Which basically just means soul and body Mm. in Latin or whatever. (laughs) You know, you always got to put it in some other dead language, (laughs) you know. But yeah, it means soul and body. And so if you put those two things together, there are probably several expressions of it. But is there a more central expression of soul and body than song? Because our bodies are involved, but our souls are involved. Mm. Our mind, Mm -hmm. our emotions. I think that there is this kind of soul-body connection that God has created us. And then in some ways, as Christians, at least, if we want to follow Jesus, then it's with both soul and body. It's not just with our spirits, like somehow detached from who we are and what we do embodied. It's supposed to be interconnected and integrated and redeemed in that way. I think that's part of the way that we are created is that these two things come together. And I think there's something special about that that comes through in singing. And I also think it's a way of almost like training or forming us to have that soul-body connection. So even someone, say, apart from faith, can still have a soul-body connection with the song mm. that moves them. Maybe they're you know in a sad place, and there's the song that kind of speaks to what kind of specific sadness. Not yeah. just sadness in general, right. but this kind. Yes. We're created in that way, so in general, like you said— in humanity, I, th- I think it is, you know, fairly universal that music is a part of life and an expression of life in so many different ways. But also specifically for the Christian faith, I think God is up to something really intentional. Like it's not just flippant, like he's asking us to do this for good reasons. It just takes maybe another look to say, huh, I wonder what those might be. One thing that I think is very interesting is there's been a lot of scientific studies done about music Mm -hmm. and the effect that music has Mm -hmm. on us. If you didn't grow up with a religious background or you're not so sure about that soul part of that psychosomatic equation, I think most of us can at least relate to my toddler, one and a half year old, that feeling of like, hear a tune that just moves you in a certain way, Mm -hmm. right? Whether more emotionally or even just literally physically. Yeah, just reacting to it. Right. But there's been a lot of scientific studies on this, the effect that music has Mm -hmm. on the human person, both emotionally and physically. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think maybe in Christian circles, there's a hesitancy to jump into science for a variety of reasons that would probably Mm -hmm. exceed the bounds of this conversation. Yeah. But I think it's actually very interesting that if there's kind of this expectation by God that music is going to be a part of the human lived experience, and maybe in fact, it was even created to move us in certain ways, Mm -hmm. wouldn't we see that reflected in scientific learnings Mm -hmm. about the ways that music has an effect on us? But Mm -hmm. some of these like effects seem to be pretty profound. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, one of the reasons I appreciate him is he basically did the faith refresh thing constantly. Yeah. <laughs> he was always asking questions and like, what about this? And he had a really tough time with being commanded to sing, to praise God. Mm. And in his mind, it was like, is he just full of himself? Is he like codependent on praise in some ways? Or yeah. is he just so full of ego that he needs this you know, endless praise or... 
And he comes around to say, well, maybe praise is an expression of joy. Like to have joy inside and not to express it is to leave the joy incomplete. Mm. So maybe it completes something within us that's expressed. Maybe God doesn't need praise, but maybe we do. Mm. So you have like this theological like assumption of music and, and poetry and song and scripture that we talked about. You have kind of being created and wired in a certain way that makes us ask questions like, what is this music thing and why yeah. does it touch us all? Right. You know, But then also you have research out of our modern scientific empirical age where we want to observe and study things, just like you said with your little ones, mm-hmm. just, oh, they're doing that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And a scientist would say, not only is it interesting, but let's see, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put it in the lab right. and like, <laughs> do all these things. But yeah, this kind of modern age is also surfacing just how very specific praise acts, worship acts like gratitude, like singing, actually have on us as people. And there's like a lot of tremendous, probably surprising positive effects of it on us. Not just emotionally, but even like literally physically, Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I've always found very fascinating because I think sometimes when it comes to things like that, I can recognize maybe this change maybe happening in my mind or in my attitude, but it sometimes seems difficult to quantify. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, yeah, something changed, but I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what, but there's all these studies that show that like music can contribute to all sorts of things, like literally sleeping better or right, like, yeah. I mean, like things that are actually very Blood quantifiable. Pressure, yeah. Immune system. Right. You know, you mentioned like singing, just like, Oh, something's better. I remember hearing Dr. Dan Allender, was talking about the benefits of worship and singing. One of the things he said is just like brain studies have shown us that our amygdala, which is wired for flight, fight kind of Mm -hmm. mechanisms that keep us safe, that whenever we sing, it is the only time that the actual functioning of the amygdala shifts Mm. and changes out of that fear mode Mm. and that survival mode. It gives us a break of that constant assessing for danger. Yeah. For God to command us to praise (laughs) is to invite us into that kind of state Mm. that takes a break from fear. Sometimes we don't know how to name it or how to quantify it. Maybe like some of these scientists have figured out how to do like Mm -hmm. brain scans and stuff. But we feel the effects of, I feel better now. Right. And so I would say it's more than the body. I think there is a spiritual component Mm -hmm. in a relationship with God, but I'm happy to look at the positive effects on the mind and the brain and the body and say, this is part of it. Yeah. This is part of what God's inviting us into. Yeah. That's some reflections there on, like I said, the second part of that question of music as a shared experience among Mm -hmm. human beings. Mm -hmm. You've already kind of touched on the other side of that equation there, specifically in our relationship with God. And you touched on this with C.S. Lewis asking this question of why would the God of the universe demand worship of me, maybe even specifically through song. Mm -hmm. He's right on there because that same thought has occurred to me of, is God so self-conscious or insecure or something or in need of affirmation that he has to command me to literally sing praises to him? Um, Like that seems kind of stuck up and Mm -hmm. maybe kind of shallow, but man, what a potential twist to think about praise and worship, not as about being something that God needs from us, mm-hmm. but the potentially like we need from God. Mm-hmm. And that would certainly imply that we were created for that. Like that, right, that's yeah. literally not just God wants us to do it. We're fulfilling a purpose that mm-hmm. is rooted deeply inside of ourselves. Right, like yes. this is a part of who we are, mm-hmm. this need to express ourselves in this way. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be good for 
a father to say, sing, take a break. You're throwing a tantrum or whatever. Mm. We're going to stand up. We're going to walk over here and I want you to sing this song mm. with me. It might seem like, no, I don't want to, you know, whatever. <laughs> sure. But then what if like, again, back to the example of the amygdala, what if it shifts something in your brain and you're like, oh, I'm glad we did that. He's built these things into us and they could be tapped into as part of how he's restoring who we're created to be. Yeah. It's also, you could say like with the research here, I want you to take this blood pressure medicine because that's what singing does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I want you to boost your immune system. Well, that's what singing does. You know, you could go down the list of these effects. And yeah. so every time he commands to praise in scripture, you might say, thank you. I needed that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because we do in so many yeah. different ways. In fact, there's even research that shows that a group of people that sing together, that our brains kind of wire and fire together and connect in such a way that it can even have a significant beneficial impact on trauma. And whenever I saw that research, I began to look around at us singing together in a church service very differently. Mm. Like we don't even know how this is helping us. Mm. You know, there are some scientific studies that show this benefit, that benefit, but there is something about doing this that on a level we're not even aware of is healing and restoring us, redeeming us in different ways. Mm. That's what God wants for us is not only to save us from our sins, which is, you know, an important part of it, but so much of salvation is redeeming who we were created to be in the first place. Yeah. Right? It's it's restoring that state that we were meant to have with God and each other and even in our bodies and with mm. nature and mm. all those different things. Kind of like we talked about in the episode with heaven. Mm-hmm. This is another here and now expression of heaven on earth, soul and body working together yeah. in a way that is really surprising the more we learn about it, just how beneficial it is physically, emotionally, but also socially, even in terms of like uh, mitigating effects of trauma, those kinds of things. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I just think that could be such a perspective shift for Christians who maybe have just always looked at singing or worship in church as the thing that God wants us to do, the right thing to do. Maybe it is that, but maybe yeah. it's also more than that as well. Yeah, maybe it's, just maybe it's good also for good for us. Yeah. 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 I do want to ask this question. You mentioned a little bit earlier in our discussion, you know, maybe you're not very musical. Maybe you feel like singing in church is kind of weird, or maybe you feel uncomfortable with it at times. I think Mm -hmm. that's a relatively common experience, even if you do like music, getting up and standing and singing and putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody who kind of goes, yeah, okay, I, I get all this. I don't hate music, but there's something that makes me uncomfortable about singing in church. And I guess maybe as a side point to go along with that. It feels like oftentimes singing and worship in general are kind of conflated. That's true. That we combine those things. Mm -hmm. And it seems like those words may not be exact synonyms, right? There are worshipful expressions that don't necessitate Mm -hmm. singing, literally. Right, yeah. If you were to kind of zoom out on the phrase worship and what it means, it is really broad. It is more of a life turned Godward, Mm. and it includes singing, gratitude, service, loving God, loving others, sharing your faith with others. Like all those could be seen as acts of worship. Yeah. So Um, if you get someone who says like, okay, so I can worship through all those ways. Totally. Right. High five. I don't really like the music at my church. I don't really, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. What do we say to that person? I would say some of these findings really help because 
if we'll allow it and if we will be good stewards of both, theology and science can really be in harmony and in a good conversation with each other. God over here, he's like this. He says this. He says to praise. Then over here, we have these scientifically studied, well-researched findings of the benefits of doing those kinds of things. I would not say, well, because you're supposed to. God said so. Right. <laughs> Even though it's just like, well, he is God. Yeah, like, sure. I mean, in I mean, some ways. If he is truly God, exactly. like, that's not the worst no, reason in the world. it's the but, end of the matter, yeah. really. <laughs> but he's gracious and merciful enough to like give us more. So what if you're uncomfortable singing in this setting? Maybe you enjoy listening to music, but not, you know, I don't want to be part of it. <laughs> but what if singing would give you neurologically a break from your anxiety and fears? Mm. Do you think that would be helpful? Hmm. Would it be worth doing? Would it be worth trying? Or just, or what about how's your blood pressure doing? <laughs> you know, how's your stress level doing? You know, yeah. how lonely do you feel right now? Because singing with others mitigates the effects, a lot of which are health hazards of loneliness. Even singing by yourself connects you with that human experience. You don't necessarily feel that overwhelming sense of loneliness. It's kind of like, you're kind of broken free of that in, yeah. through music, yeah. uh, even if it feels momentary or whatever. Do you think it might encourage someone to hear someone else that doesn't have the greatest voice sing? And as they sing alongside you and the others, we're actually multiplying the health benefits of what's going on, including spiritually. One thing I might throw in there too, it's something that as I become a parent, I've become much more aware of is the stickiness of songs in our minds yeah, and how the messages right, right, exactly. of those songs influence our ways of thinking and our understanding. Mm -hmm. And this happens for secular music, Christian music, mm -hmm. any kind of music. You ask anybody to recall a song from their teenage years, the song comes on the radio or you turn it on and instantly all the words come right back mm -hmm. to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this with my kids at church where there are creeds and very theologically like rich, mm -hmm. deep messages that my kids now know the words to mm -hmm. because it's been put to a song. Yeah. And maybe in the moment that they're singing it or the moment that they first hear it, maybe they're not fully understanding mm -hmm. the depth of what all of those words mean. But there could come a time where those words are going to be incredibly powerful and meaningful mm -hmm. yeah. as they digest them more and mm -hmm. more over time. There are theological truths. There are prayers. Yes, there yeah. are all sorts of different types of songs that I come back to in mm -hmm. certain moments of need or crisis mm -hmm. or what mm -hmm. have you. Those words are with me because of music. Exactly. And, they're they're uh, in there. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if, if, I, if I didn't have a melody to put with it, I might not have mm -hmm. those. Yeah, I really resonate with that. There's one particular time you said crisis where I was in crisis and for, you know, a variety of reasons didn't have access to music that I could stream or mm -hmm. even a Bible. But what started coming to mind were songs that I, I had learned in childhood. And it was surprising to me. It wasn't like no, nothing against them. It wasn't all the modern worship songs that I had led, yeah. let alone sang, uh -huh. you know. It was kind of way back in my formative years and those songs that came back, just like you said, in a very tender, vulnerable moment. 
I also started singing that hymn, It Is Well. Mm. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know until that moment is I knew all the verses. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Right, yeah. It's like, Sometimes you surprise yourself. It was in there, and I needed it, Yeah, and I could sing that melody and those words and, like, walk through a tremendous amount of difficulty. Mm-hmm. That was a big part of that process, singing through it. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many important, significant ways that that comes to our aid sometimes. Yeah. You know, I remember having certain thoughts as kind of one final callback to mm-hmm. our uh, heaven episode that we oh, talked yeah, about. Good. I remember having some thoughts as a kid thinking about what heaven was going to be like and reading Revelation and hearing about singing holy, holy, holy for all eternity. And I remember singing that song in church at my first church that I grew up in mm-hmm. with an organ for accompaniment and kind of thinking it was a little dry and boring <laughs> yeah. and kind of going, man, eternity is a long time to Ooh, have to sing yeah. that one word, uh-huh. you know, not sure I'm looking forward to that. But as we've talked about in our heaven episode and broadening our understanding of what the afterlife might look like, I also just come back to that idea, though, of worshiping God through song in eternity. And I think about some of the worship experiences that I've had and some of those body and soul moving moments I've had with Mm -hmm. music. My wife is constantly like tickling me in the ribs during church Mm -hmm. when she sees my eyes tearing up during a song because I do that a lot. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I know how it is. Poking fun at me just a little (laughs) bit. But I even noticed that in my eight-year-old for the first time Hmm. a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. where we were like singing the song. It's one of her favorites. She's belting it out at the top of her lungs and I could just see it in her face like, this is so beautiful. And she she was just, you could tell that her little body and mind was experiencing something. Yes. That's the part of singing holy, holy, holy for eternity that gets me excited. Yeah. We'll be worshiping in general in heaven. Exactly. 24-7. Right. And uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Like, that's what we'll be doing. Whether you're a walk-in or, you know, playing a banjo or I don't know why I said banjo. (laughs) (laughs) Call back to that banjo, yeah. Yeah. But also, let's not diminish the role of music and singing. Right. What will that be like as like every tribe, tongue, and nation united around finally a good king? Right. The one. (laughs) Think about your favorite song or a moment where a song has moved you like no other. And imagine that amplified. It's a beautiful thing to imagine. Yeah, Yeah. I I agree. Love to be a part of that. And I have it on good authority that I will be, which is good. Thanks for listening to Faith Refresh. You can find more Real FM pods and tons of other cool stuff on the Real FM app and at real.fm. Faith Refresh is hosted by Justin Rusinowski and I'm Anson Beyer. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on your platform of choice. It will help others to discover the podcast and listen for themselves. Faith Refresh is a part of the Real FM Podcast Network, a ministry of John Brown University.